Good morning, and welcome to worship at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We have returned to gathering for worship virtually and in spirit because the new strain of the virus has led to a resurgence of infections. Please know, though, that I send each and every, every one of you much love, and I feel your presence this morning. I especially want to welcome you if you're visiting with us this morning. If you have the ability to do so, please say hello in the comments and let us know from where you're joining us. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to greet the holy among us this morning by saying hello in the comments or simply feeling the heartstring connections that bind us together. Now, please join me in our words for lighting the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. The call to worship is from Robin Wall Kimmerer. She is a naturalist, botanist, and amazingly good writer. Even a wounded world is feeding us. Even a wounded world holds us, giving us moments of wonder and joy. I choose joy over despair, not because I have my head in the sand, but because joy is what the earth gives me daily and I must return the gift. One of the things that keeps us bound together, even through virtual space, is to have a common purpose. And for this church, that's our mission. We wrote it together, we put it on our wall, and we say it together every Sunday. Let's do so now. Together, we nourish souls transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Each week, to further explore what we mean by that term, beloved community, we have a moment for beloved community. Today, I want to share with you that today marks the beginning of several days of the African holiday of Kwanzaa. I think part of building the beloved community involves learning from each other. In that spirit, I want to share the fundamental principles of Kwanzaa with you as stated by its founder. One, unity. It begins with ourselves and spreads outward to become solidarity. Two, self-determination. We must think and act for ourselves and define ourselves by the good we do in the world. Three, Collective work and responsibility. We are bound to each other and must build the good we all want together. Four, cooperative economics. We share our work and our wealth so that we all have dignity and decency. Five, purpose. 
This teaches us the collective vocation of constantly building and developing the capacity of our people to be ourselves and to pursue an expansive good and come into the fullness of ourselves. Sixth, creativity. An ancient African principle, a moral obligation to repair, remake, and renew the world, making it more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. And seventh, faith. Faith teaches us to believe in the good and our capacity to share it and leave it as a worthy legacy for what comes afterwards. Let me tell you about the tiger and the strawberry. Once there was a wise woman who every evening after dinner went for a stroll just to wind down the day. And on this one particular evening, as she was walking, she heard behind her a low, unfortunately familiar growl. It was the sound of a tiger that had caught her scent and was crouching preparing to pounce. The woman didn't waste a second. She immediately began running for her life in the opposite direction, but she knew also towards the cliff. She had no choice. She had to get away. And as she dove over the side, at the last second, she was able to grasp a root that was hanging from the cliff. Up above, she could see the tiger just as it swiped its paw and tried to grab her. She was able to duck out of the way but the tiger paced back and forth waiting for her to tire of holding on to this rope. Now, luckily, the woman knew that the fall below was just a few feet. It would hurt, scrape her up, maybe break a bone or two, but it was survivable. So she looked down to find a good spot to land, only to discover that another tiger was pacing the ground beneath her feet. And as she hung there, debating, strategizing, trying to imagine a possible way to escape, a mouse scurried over and began nibbling on the roots that she was holding on to. And in that moment, she noticed that growing out of the side of the cliff, there was a small wild plant with a plump, red, ripe strawberry. So with one hand, she reached over, grabbed it, tasted it, and savored that sweetness. This story reminds us that in any situation, we can be open to joy. It isn't always easy, but it's always available. And this story inspired this song. Trouble about 
Trouble below, trouble ahead of me. What do you know? Wake up in the morning. What do I find? Trouble is everywhere, but ain't none on my mind. Cause I got peace like a river. I got love through the night. I got joy like a fountain. I'm gonna be alright. I've got rhythm and harmony ringing in me. Love is free. Love is free. Peace is free. Joy is free. 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 Is there strife in the world? Is there strife in the home? Are you feeling a little lost? Are you feeling alone? Waking up at midnight. Do you remember your dreams? Riding wrapped on a cool, gentle stream. Yes, you have peace like a river. Love through the night. You've got joy like a fountain my dear you can be all right cause you've got rhythm and harmony ringing in you and love is true love is true peace is true peace is true joy is true 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 whatever way you're looking There is something there to see. Is it a paradise or prison? What do you believe? We can have peace like a river. Joy from our souls. We can have love as a beacon. Guiding everywhere we go. Let our hearts beat the rhythm. Let the anthem be seen. Today's reading is from Adrienne Marie Brown. She's an African-American author and activist. Pleasure reminds us to enjoy being alive and on purpose. Pleasure embodied, connected pleasure, is one of the ways we know when we are free, that we are always free, that we always have the power to co-create the world. Pleasure helps us move through the times that are unfair, through grief, and loneliness through the terror of genocide or days when the demands are just overwhelming. Pleasure heals the places where our hearts and spirit get wounded. Pleasure reminds us that even in the dark, we are alive. 
Pleasure is a medicine for the suffering that is absolutely promised in life. Pleasure is the point. Feeling good is not frivolous. It is freedom. This is the time in our service where we center ourselves together. We breathe together. And breathing together, we sense each other's loving presence even through virtual space. Breathing in and breathing out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, the place where that spark of the divine resides within each of us. Breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together. Please join me in that sacred silence now. Well, here we are again, coming together in spirit through virtual space rather than in person again. The new variant of the COVID-19 virus is spreading rapidly in our area. Two of the three indicators our local public health officials use to determine what our COVID-19 risk is and what precautions we should be taking are now at stage five, the highest risk level. So we've made the decision to hold virtual services again. For now, we will be live streaming our services on Sunday mornings. It is our hope that this latest surge of the virus will be shorter than past surges, and we will get to be together again in person soon. Given this new variant and the surge in COVID-19 infections it is causing in our area, as well as the fact that we have been dealing with this pandemic for 21 months now, it might seem ironic that the spiritual topic we've been exploring this this month at the church is opening to joy. Now... The good Unitarian Universalist that staffs the UU organization called Soul Matters, which provides us with our monthly spiritual topics to explore and lots of great information related to those monthly topics, likely chose joy because this is the holiday season. They also did so many months ago, before any of us knew the pandemic would be as long-lived and repeatedly resurgent as it has now proven to be. And I admit to being a little challenged as to where to go with the topic since I've preached a couple of sermons already relating to experiencing joy. But I think opening to joy may be the aspect of our spirituality that we need most in these challenging times. And that exploring new ways to think about joy could be very, very helpful 
A conversation I had with one of your fellow congregants was very helpful to me with thinking about joy in a new way. I tend to think about joy as big moments, the birth of a new child, a loved one being cured of a serious illness, a moment of transcendence brought on by an experience of the beauty of nature. But this congregant talked about smaller moments of joy. They and their family leave little notes with jokes and humor for each other around their house. They create for each other little moments of joy. And I think those little moments of joy are vital to our resilience and our well-being, maybe even more so than larger moments of joy. It made me think of the moments of kindness I have witnessed people offer to one another, even just in the grocery store during this pandemic. The man that offered me to go in front of him at the checkout because I only had two items and he had a shopping cart full of items. He didn't have to do that. And because of his kindness, we shared a small moment of joy with each other. The cashier at that same grocery store who always says to me, stay safe as I go to leave. My spouse Wayne and I often go get each other to watch some of the spectacular sunsets we can see for part of the year from our front porch. Sometimes, though, Wayne will come and get me to look at the sky after the sun has already set. There'll be a deep blue sky with just a tinge of orange light on the horizon with bright silver reflections of nearby planets above. It's not as dazzling as the full sunset, and yet it contains a beauty and joy that doesn't need showiness. Because I think this idea about opening to the small joys in our lives is so essential, I want to leave you with just a couple more examples. During the earlier days of the pandemic, when we were even more locked down than now, Wayne and I would go for walks in neighborhoods around Austin, places we might drive right past without seeing them in the past. Because it was outside, we would talk and interact with other folks who were also out and about. One day, we ran into Mike, a guy I had known and liked from my job in the nonprofit world before I became a minister. I hadn't seen Mike in years, and we got to talk with him, meet his wife, their new daughter, their puppy dog. It was a joy. Here's one more example. A few years ago, a couple here in the church had given all of us on staff a small birdhouse. Mine was very cool, so I had actually left it inside on a bookshelf as a decoration. Last year, during the snowpocalypse, the deep freeze when we lost power and it seemed all life might be threatened, on a whim, I took the little birdhouse out in the backyard and hung it from a tree branch. A few days later, before the snow had even completely melted, a pair of chickadees made a nest inside of it. Wayne and I watched them for days. We would worry any time we didn't see them. Watching them tend their nest 
helped us de-traumatize from the deep freeze. That small joy of witnessing new life made all the difference. Sometimes we cried tears of joy. So, how do we open ourselves to these smaller potential joys in our daily lives, even in challenging times? Well, fortunately, there is some research about that. Here's what the research says. One, share the joy. Like Wayne inviting me to see the evening sky, sharing joy with someone else is a major part of how we experience our own joy. Two, strike up a conversation with friends, family members, even strangers. Social interaction, even for introverts, turns out to be a major source of of joy. Humor helps a lot also. Three, Make a list of the things which have brought you joy and then go revisit them. Four, similar to this, engage in a daily practice of gratitude. Reviewing that for which you are already grateful can be a great way to realize how much joy is already in your life. Five, engage in acts of kindness towards others. Thank them when they have done something for you. Offer compliments. It turns out acting kindly is one of our greatest sources of joy. During this time of COVID, consider leaving that waiter or waitress a larger than 20% tip. You could make a big difference for them and for yourself. Six, brighten up your home and office. Research finds that vibrant colors help us to feel happier. Seven, make time for exercise. Joy is not just mental and emotional. It is physical also. Eight, engage in creative activities from arts to music. And finally, Set aside time to savor the small moments of joy that surprise us sometimes in life. That moment when your spouse or partner takes your hand just when you need them to do so. As social worker, author, and my personal goddess, Brene Brown, puts it, joy comes to us in moments, ordinary moments. We risk missing out on joy when we get too busy chasing down the extraordinary. Scarcity culture may keep us afraid of living small, ordinary lives, but when you talk to people who have survived great losses, it is clear that joy is not a constant. Without exception, all the participants who spoke to me about their losses and what they missed the most spoke about ordinary moments. If I could come downstairs and see my husband sitting at the table and cursing at the newspaper. If I could hear my son giggling in the backyard. My mom sent me the craziest texts. She never knew how to work her phone. I'd give anything to get one of those texts right now. Brown says that twinkle lights are the perfect metaphor for joy because joy is not a constant. 
It comes to us in moments. A joyful life is not a floodlight of joy. That would eventually become unbearable. I believe a joyful life is made up of joyful moments gracefully strung together by trust, gratitude, inspiration, and faith. It's interesting that social movements across the country and the world have embraced this idea of opening to joyful moments, even within the ordinary, as a way to build resilience and sustain such movements, even up against extremely daunting challenges. From efforts to suppress voting rights to lethal violence directed toward people of color by law enforcement. Especially black folks and people of color, as as well as queer folks, including our own black lives of Unitarian Universalism, have infused even their protests, rallies, and lobbying with fun, humor, theatricality, and joy. Such movements are also intentional about creating opportunities for fun, fellowship, and joy among themselves outside of the arena of protest and rallies, so that, as our reading said earlier, the experience of pleasure becomes a fundamental element of how we know that we are free. I think I've mentioned before Church Ladies for Choice, a coalition of cisgender feminist women, drag queens, and womanist women of color who joined together to protect reproductive rights clinics against anti-choice demonstrators. It's rumored that they also throw some great parties. New York writer Cleaver Cruz started the Black Joy Project, a digital and real-world movement to center black joy. He says, Black joy is an act of resistance. When we acknowledge that we exist in an anti-black world that is set up to ensure we do not live, to choose life, and to choose to enjoy any aspect of that life is a radical act Amplifying black joy is not about dismissing or creating an alternative black narrative that ignores the realities of our collective pain. Rather, it is about holding the pain and injustices we experience as black folks around the world in tension with the joy we experience in pain's midst. It's about using joy as an entry into understanding the oppressive forces we navigate through as a means to imagine and create a world free of them. Although those of us who identify as white haven't experienced the oppressive forces that African Americans and people of color have, we might still learn from this idea of infusing our social justice efforts and our very lives with a sense of joy so that we don't become jaded, so that we build a sense of resilience. My beloveds, we are living through difficult times. The forces of oppression have found a new freedom to voice their bigotry and to act upon it. We faced an anti-democratic, white supremacist movement that would happily embrace fascism. 
Our world is threatened by global climate change. Once again, we're dealing with a new variant of COVID and a new viral surge that has forced us once again into virtual space. Yet joy is still there for us. Yet we may need to open to joy more than ever. And I think our greatest source of joy is love. Let us love one another and ourselves. Let us open to joy. As the poet Maya Angelou put it, I know why the cage bird sings. Now let there be an offering to support the mission and ministries of this church. If you go to austinuu.org or scroll up on Facebook, you can find a link where you can make a contribution on our secured contribution page. Now please join me in our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. As we near the end of our service, my wish is that you all will open yourselves to joy, even during these challenging times. I want you to know that this religious community is one of my major sources of joy. I wish you love. I send you much peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.